tonight we're going to party like it's 1999 on Cold Transmissions. Avoid pain. Keep repeating to yourself. It's only a This is Culture Intentions Podcast, where we talk about movies that unfold. With your hosts, Clay Buckles, Eric Salazar, Brian Trough, and Patrick Colvin. Now, let's talk. Okay, thanks everybody for tuning in. Uh, we'll just start off real quick with our usual, uh, any, watch anything interesting or play or read or any of that fun stuff. Clay? excuse me uh yeah i actually remembered i think a couple weeks back i was like i didn't watch anything but i actually did watch something that was kind of cool and that was uh something a lot of people i'm sure have watched by now it was uh old guard uh based on a comic book i think by greg ruka um it's on netflix uh it stars charlie's theron and uh i thought it was a pretty decent comic book movie with you know complete with the mid-credit stinger and everything but uh it's kind of an interesting not i guess it's not that interesting all things considered but it's a fun enough concept uh strong action uh like i said clever enough take on the superhero genre so uh yeah that was certainly worth watching and then also this week i watched uncut gems finally got around to watching it uh The Safdie brothers, if they're not on your radar, uh, you're, you're kind of fucking up. They're really good. Uh, I don't know if I like this one or... Um, ah, shit. The name of the title of the film's escaping me now. Uh, good Time. Good Time, yeah. Um, I don't know if I like this one better, but it was certainly felt more intense or more like laser-focused, I guess. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, if you like intense, uh, you know call it a uh, uh, suspense film. Uh, yeah, these dudes have shown rather quickly uh, that they are at the absolute top of the game. And it's also weird to me that Adam Sandler does these dramatic roles and is amazing in them, and then will go back to doing his kind of sophomoric, like, nonsense movies, uh, which, whatever, I guess they make them a shitload of money, so I'm not knocking it. But uh, it's kind of weird to square one guy um, with the other. Uh, and then lastly, I watched uh, Seaberg on uh, Amazon, and that was just kind of meh, but it was, I mean, it's okay. Anyways, that's all I watched this week. Uh, I just needed to get a shout out to Old Guard mostly, and then Uncut Gems, so I'll pass it off to Easy E. <laughs> yeah, uh, a whole lot this week. I did watch um, like some more of the new Unsolved Mysteries. Because I heard about an alien abduction episode, which is the one I watch. And it's really cool and creepy. <laughs> oh, I yeah. haven't even watched that one yet. But uh, yeah, I've heard good things. Yeah, I won't say too much about it. But it's it's really cool. Like, what I like about the new Unsolved Mysteries is that, um, you know, the story is told by the people. So it's kind of neat because there's, like, all these different, like, so there's this one big like all these people you know witness the same thing at once which is really neat to me because it's like three different 
people with the same, you know, different takes on the story or whatever happened. Uh-huh. But uh, yeah, I mean, that episode was what I wanted. <laughs> like, it's like you, know, you think of Unsolved Mysteries, and it's like, man, just got, you know, gets those creepy feelings that you just, that I long for anyways when when watching Unsolved Mysteries. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I've, that's actually a good point. I actually, I've seen uh, a few episodes and some of them were literally just like cold cases, you know? Right. So, yeah, we don't, we don't know who killed this lady. Uh, anyways, you know, like that's the whole episode. So, yeah. yeah. Well, there's a UFO episode. I still haven't watched it yet, but I'm looking forward to it. I know. Dude, watch it. It's, it, it, it brought me joy because it was like, yes, I love feeling creeped out by aliens. <laughs> but other than that, that's about all I've really gotten to watch fully this week. Um, I only watched one thing. I've been pretty busy. Um, it's a 2007 documentary that I found on YouTube. I was trying to find some audiobooks and I stumbled across this. So I listened to like a third of it and then basically quit working and just watched it. Uh, so that's probably not a good idea. Um, it's called The Town That Was, and it's about Centralia, Pennsylvania, which is uh-huh. basically the the real life Silent Hill. Um, oh, yeah. Really, really cool. It basically, if you don't know about it, it's a um, small town and they had some coal fires start uh, in 1962. And basically, they've been burning ever since. Um, there's, let's see, this was like in 2007. So at the time, there was 11 residents that were still there. Their mayor was 92 years old, still there. Um, and I think like the youngest resident who they kind of follow throughout the uh, the documentary was like 34. But it was, um, it's it's really interesting, but, you know, it's it's sad. Because the government basically bought everyone out. Um, even the people that still live there currently only own like their possessions. They don't even own their houses. Um, but they're, they're, it's like so off the map that the government doesn't, you know, doesn't even really recognize it anymore. But uh, it's definitely worth a check out. It's on YouTube for free. I think there's several other documentaries too that might be a little more recent. But yeah, that's all. Yeah. I've seen. Kind of sounds like a Centralia is a free fire zone. Um, yeah, I've seen a YouTube documentary. It probably wasn't that one. It wasn't super professional about that. Super interesting. I'll start off with one thing uh, Clay's possibly familiar with. I haven't actually started it yet, but I did uh, rent it from the library app. The uh, It's the comic Baltimore, the Omnibus uh, by Mike Mignola. Have you read that, Clay, or are you familiar? I have- I haven't read it. No, I'm actually not up on all of Mike Min- Mignola's stuff. I mean, his art's amazing, but I never got into Hellboy. I never got into Yeah, Hellboy. I was going to say, I, I've looked over what he's done, and I've never been into the comic for Hellboy or the movies. Um, but this one caught my, the description caught my eye. It says, after a devastating plague ends World War One, Europe is flood- suddenly flooded with vampires. Lord Henry Baltimore, a soldier determined to wipe out the monsters, fights his way through bloody battlefields, ruined plague ships exploding zeppelins submarine graveyards and much more on the hunt for the creature who has become his obsession i was like man sounds fucking awesome but it's like 300 pages so it's gonna take a while <clears throat> i'll uh, maybe i'll update you on where i got to next week but figured it was worth mentioning um but i watched a couple 
movies. I watched, um, I caught up with a movie I saw on VHS when I was young called Uncle Sam from 1993. Um, and firstly, I'll just say um, it's a slasher made by the director of probably my favorite slasher of all time, Maniac, William Lustig, as we all know and love. Um, but it's about as far away from my favorite slasher as possible. It's fucking garbage. Um, uh, but I was hoping it would be better than I remembered it being, since it is Lustig. But uh, I was wrong. Um, not a single shining part, honestly, of the movie. It's terrible acting, terrible characters, really bad effects, terrible kills. Um, I was expecting at least good kills being him, but no. Uh, the story had promise. It's a dead soldier who uh, wants to get revenge on the country who left him for dead in battle by killing as many of its civilians as he can. Pretty gnarly, but it was just executed really poorly. But uh, So the killer literally puts on an Uncle Sam costume for no fucking reason. And uh, did I mention his name was Sam? And he is, in fact, an uncle. So yeah, it's too on the nose. It's fucking awful. Don't, don't ever watch it. <clears throat> um. And then I revisited one of my favorite old shitty movies called Munchies from 87. Singular Munchie that uh, Eric loves. Um, <laughs> now this is a, Ro a Roger Corman production. Um, it'll always hold a little soft spot, in my, or soft spot in my heart. It's like the first, honestly, first B movie, like horror movie I remember seeing as a kid and kind of my intro to Roger Corman. Um, not a good movie. But it is fun and has this weird charm to it that I can't really describe. And I hadn't watched it in like 10 years. So I was like, man, maybe my taste has changed since then. But I still enjoyed it. It's like an old friend. I'm always happy to see it. Um, you should definitely watch it if you haven't. It's it's pretty fun. Uh, real quick, though, before I dive into kind of our main topic, uh, the death of John Saxon, famous mm -hmm. cult legend actor. Uh, you can probably come from Enter the Dragon or Nightmare on Elm Street, Black Christmas, Argento's Tenebra. But yeah, I mean, he was awesome. I just watched him a few, maybe a month or two ago in Nightmare Beach. And every time he pops up, he's always that recognizable face that lets you kind of settle in that you're in for a, a cult treat, you know? Like, yeah. you know, there's a certain quality when you see his face show up in the scene. You're like, oh, okay, this can't be that bad. You know, that that's how I always felt when I saw him. What, what, what did you guys remember about him? Um, I think the first time I saw him, it was probably Enter the Dragon. Uh, I think. I don't, I don't know. But I've seen him in a couple other things. And there's actually, there's a lot that I would like to see. Um, I've just never gotten around to. I guess there's one, I can't think of the name of it, but he and a guy come back from the war uh, in New York, and somehow they start having cannibalistic cravings, uh, and it just—it sounds pretty wild. I don't know the title. I don't either. I can't remember. Got a funny title. Yeah, we should watch that and talk about it. Uh, I think the only thing I've seen him in was, uh, like he said, Enter the Dragon. So yeah, I mean, I can't see Nightmare on or Nightmare on Elm Street. Oh yeah, fair enough. Okay. Yeah, uh, yeah, I. Uh... I remember him most from Nightmare on Elm Street. I think because, like, I, like, especially seeing that as a child, <laughs> like, I was so scared, and I, I wanted, he was, like, the good guy, and I wanted him to, like, 
succeed so bad and like protect people and yeah and they, he was like almost you know i just wanted him to succeed in that movie and it just stuck with me like man i, I hope he i hope he can find you know figure this out <laughs> yeah I, I definitely remember that he's always like please be the hero i need <laughs> yeah yeah he's good he could play hero or or villain like fairly you know a lot of the time he was kind of a cop type character but i mean i don't know he's um i don't know handsome devil though he's got that that jawline but anyway rest in peace uh real quick i did want to bring up before we jump into the movie uh what do you guys think makes a good dystopian film and like are there any staples to you that are like examples you could use of that i mean as far as like dystopias are concerned i mean uh i think the first movie we covered here on the show was akira so that's like yeah. My end up, but uh, you know, yeah, I, I like uh, most tend to go for that kind of Mad Max aesthetic, which is also really cool. Um, but yeah, uh, I, I don't think there's any like hard, fast rules set, you know, like this is what you have to have in your weird dystopian future. Yeah, I just uh, mean, like personal opinion. What, what do you want in a movie? Like I said, uh, you know, Akira's maybe my favorite movie of all time, so uh, like I said, it's it's a tried and true genre, but as far as like, you know, as far as stuff that uh, you know, like I said, I, I like in the movies. I couldn't give you a, a single example. I think you just have to be able to tell a good story. You know what I mean? Like, You're not particular, the, I guess. Like, yeah, like a post-apocalyptic setting is isn't going to save much grace if you're just making a shitty movie. You know what I mean? But so like, you want the plot. You don't want right. just crazy action. You want meat, meat and potatoes. Yeah, basically, basically every movie should be Mad Max: Fury Road or Akira. <laughs> do that. Fury Road is super basic story. It's just so. It fun. really is. Yeah, it really is. It just tells it really well. It's basically one long chase scene. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. For me, it has to be the set, the hair, the costume design. <laughs> I did not put hair. That's I told (laughs) it's not like mainly the set and costume design for sure. But the hair is included like in the soundtracks. Not they don't necessarily have to be like 80s synth wave or anything, but it's got to it's got to make it feel like I I think it's got to make it feel desolate and dangerous. Yeah. You know, at the same time. (laughs) Yeah, like like he said, Mad Max is yeah, probably you don't want the like, ideal. You don't want like the Cannibal Holocaust soundtrack playing on your dystopian film. <laughs> yeah, the Mad Max. But then a lot of the times it's like it comes from technology. So there's like this weird dystopian with like advanced technology included in all this stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I like that too. Yeah, for me. Yeah, like soundtrack matters, but if we're going on this this genre, it's got to have some cool cars and or bikes. I, it can't just be like dusty. They need to have like extra parts glued to them. They've got to have like spikes somewhere. For you sure. Know, I, I need it to, to look cool. Um, and, you know, thankfully, most of these movies hit those marks very simply. I mean, it's not, it's not hard to do. Um I also like, you know, like with this movie, with like 
even Mad Max, the Warriors. I love when there's other groups or gangs and how they all have like their own style of dress and stuff to kind of distinct them from one another. I think that's always kind of cool for me too. And weapons. Yeah. Gotta have some cool weapons and Uzis and stuff. Yeah, you gotta have an Uzi. Which we get in this movie. I made a note of it. Eric (laughs) Eric got his Uzis. Well, it, it, you know, it might have been released in the 90s, but it was made in the 80s. So definitely (laughs) gotta have an Uzi in there. Uh, Yeah, you guys pretty much hit all my bullet points. Uh, Cool cars, cool weapons, cool setting slash scenery or, you know, just environment. Uh, I put, you know, typically cool gangs, but I, I did add cool villains. Usually you want that at least, you know, that one extra villain like Lord Humongous or the Cyborgs, you know, or Turf fucking T-1000. You want something that is like, you know, in the background, the whole movie kind of adds that extra suspense. You've so, got to have a boss fight. Yeah, basically, yeah. You want that <laughs> I mean, crazy explosive of- ending. Think of Immortan Joe and Fury Road. I mean, he's he's terrifying. Yeah, he's mm-hmm. big, powerful. He's scary looking, and it's just I think he's like a perfect villain for that movie. He's insane. Yeah. Yep. All right. Well, we can take a quick break here. Play the trailer for the film, which is uh, Class of 1999. In 1998, six million violent incidents took place in American high schools, including 29,927 teacher fatalities. The public school system has been reduced to a battlefield. But the Board of Education has just found a solution. The perfect solution. You're next, Mr. Cope. For the class of 1999. Where are you? The class of 1999. These androids were supposed to educate the students. Battle droids, Miles. Battle droids. To graduate is to survive. All right, and we're back. Let's dive in. Uh, So class of 1999 is directed by the one and only Mark Lester. Uh, you may know and love him from films like Commando, Class of 84, 1984, sorry, and Showdown in Little Tokyo. Uh, uh, this modest film had a budget of about $5 million, which back then, so we're talking like 88, not terribly small, but not overly massive. But the problem is it only grossed about half of that back. So I think to say it. Um, a little unfortunate. I mean, he, he had success with Commando. You would hope maybe he had a following by this point, but maybe people aren't ready for how weird it was. But anyway, this is in fact a direct sequel to his 1982 cult classic, Class of 1984. Um, kind of flips the script a little bit, which we'll dive into, obviously. And um, it does star Bradley Gregg as Coldy, or, sorry, Cody Culp, our protagonist. You may recognize him as uh, Philip from Nightmare on Elm Street 3 Dream Warriors, Eyeball Chambers from Stand By Me, or uh, one of the members of Steve Jackson's gang and Explorers. Uh, all pretty damn good films, if you ask me. So this was his only lead role, though, I should I should point out. 
I mean, uh, Tracy Lind is his sidekick uh, playing Christy Langford in this film. Uh, she starred as Alex in Fright Night Part 2. I'm not sure if you guys have seen that. Pretty good movie. Pretty good sequel. And Missy McLeod and My Boyfriend's Back. Kind of a fun little comedy. Mm-hmm. We get uh, next to Malcolm McDowell. We all know and love. Uh, he plays Dr. Miles Langford. I'm not sure why it says doctor because he's in fact a principal, but... Uh, you know, we'll talk more about that. But for those of you who are terrible human beings, he was in A Clockwork Orange and Caligula. So he is forever as a cult film icon for those two alone. Obviously, handful of others spanning every genre for like five decades straight. And also, I, I kind of put Stacy Keach almost in that category. He Absolutely. plays a lot. Yeah. He plays Dr. Bob Forrest. Uh, like I said, another leg- legend. Uh, my introduction, honestly, was Cheech and Chong up in smoke, but he's been in John Carpenter and Toby Hooper's anthology Body Bags. Pretty fun anthology, honestly. Uh, Escape from L.A., American History X are some of the more notable known ones um, that I can all off the top of my head, at least. Um, but yeah, I I don't know. I mean, I don't think he gets the same credit as McDowell, but I agree that he should. Um, I wasn't trying to discount him. Um, And then finally, our three cyborgs, Pam Greer as Miss Connors. Probably doesn't need a whole lot of intro either. Jackie Brown, Coffee, Something Wicked This Way Comes, also Escape from L.A. So she's been in some cult shit for sure. And then Patrick Kilpatrick, he's that guy you kind of recognize um yeah been a lot of action stuff nothing a lot of pretty bad straight to video shit to be honest but some notable ones were toxic avenger death warrant and minority report so i put a note here he has gone toe-to-toe with van damme tom cruise and toxie so quite (laughs) a villain resume there um and the last cyborg probably the most intimidating is john p ryan as mr harden uh a little lesser known than the rest of them. So we're talking films like Best of the Best, Death Wish 4, It's Alive 2. Um, but he is my favorite of the cyborgs. So resume or not, I think he killed it in this movie. Yeah. But uh, we'll go ahead and jump in if you guys don't have anything to add about the cast. I would just, I just... say Darren E. Burroughs uh, mm-hmm. is the only other person I recognized. He was in Crybaby. Um, he wasn't in the film long. He's... Uh, I don't know, was he his roommate, or was he, like, his older brother? The one he, like, died. It's not the littlest brother, that's for sure. No, the the taller guy. Yeah, he's in Crybaby. That's all I've ever seen him in. But I guess he's, like, a composer and some other stuff, too. But, yeah. Yeah, I do recognize Now that you say that, I haven't watched Crybaby in so long, but I I can picture him now. Hmm. Yeah. I... I don't think I don't think we've adequately drawn attention to uh, how hot Pam Greer is. Oh, I think I put it somewhere, but if I did, <laughs> I missed it. <laughs> yeah, like six pages of notes. I wasn't gonna read all that. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, no I, Pam Greer's hot as fuck. If I didn't put it, I I regret it, and I will agree right now. Uh, so let's dive in because there's there's a lot to cover here. Um, So throughout the 1990s, violence in American high schools has spiraled out of control with areas in most major cities being taken over by youth gangs. And that sounds like little kid gangs. It's it's pretty much 
30-year-old guys playing high schoolers. Um, <clears throat> so that <laughs> resulted in some schools shutting down. In 1999, special areas known as free fire zones have discouraged police from entering out of fear. Uh, Seattle's Kennedy High School is in the middle of a free fire zone. Thus, the Department of Education Defense, dead, you didn't catch on to that, is a <gasps> special government agency and has been notified. So working with Megatech head Dr. Bob Forrest, um, an experiment begins where the three former military robots have become android educators. Uh, so basically, it jumps right in. That, that's kind of your Escape from New York intro that I kind of mentioned, I think, in the last episode. Um, with a with a crude voiceover this time instead of just the usual text they had to like a robot voiceover that's just it makes, it makes sense i mean yeah it's hard here yeah uh so we start off with our albino leader megatech uh dr forrest proudly showing off his three cyborgs to the board of education and to principal langford and uh we have mr bryles who's quite the physical specimen hence why he's the coach and pe teacher Miss Connors, the attractive chemistry teacher. There you go, Clay. And lastly, <laughs> Mr. Harden, the older but intimidating history teacher. And uh, Principal Langford is basically explaining to the board that former delinquents who were in prison will soon be released uh, as part of an experiment back into their schools. And that's how they're going to kind of test these cyborgs and the methods of discipline from the teachers, you know, see if it works out. So you got super like confident Dr. Forrest and his rat tail mullet and his fucking stupid white contacts, you know. Like, By the way, that is real hair. I, I'm going to be real disappointed if that's a wig. I didn't really find anything on that in trivia, but it was all his idea. He was not written to look like any of that. <laughs> <laughs> no, yes. Literally, my next note is that it was hit Keech's idea for all of that just out of nowhere. And they were just like, whatever, we'll roll with it. But he, he thought it would be creepier and more imposing. I don't know if that's how it played out, but uh, nope. memorable, I would say, for sure. That is one of the things I did remember before I watched this. I used to kind of mix parts of it up with um, Class of Newcomb High. But I always remembered Stacey Keach's look as being part of this movie. And, yeah, I, I, I think he looked really silly, but I still liked his performance quite a bit, but. Yeah, it I mean, was a wig, actually. Uh, was oh man, yeah. it. I I did see something about it. He's the, so yeah, it was his idea, and uh, they had kind of a small budget, but it cost three thousand dollars to get the wig and contacts, and he <laughs> insisted on it, and they gave it to him. Wow, I mean, he's probably one of the biggest actors they had. I mean, <laughs> at the time, that's funny. He's. Well, he's using that Cheech and Chong uh, uh, cred, but uh, yeah, um, not a whole lot going on. Just a pretty quick intro to some of the characters. It, it kind of jumps right in. I mean, usually your villains aren't revealed in the first fucking scene, but um, here we are. And then so he mentioned Quince being released into his school and we are quickly introduced to Cody, Cul or Cody Culp. Uh, a member of what we learn is the Black Hearts gang. So get a quick little, not montage, but just a quick scene of him walking all badass through prison. Sh shit getting thrown at him. Uh, 
But he, when he gets out, he plans to kind of walk the straight line and avoid any ganging, um, especially with the rival razor heads led by Hector. So we meet him, Hector, very quickly uh, in a rather awesome car chase, in my opinion. So basically his brother, uh, Sonny and Angel, pick him up out of the prison. And basically, I found this, I, I could suspend a lot of disbelief in this movie. But the fact that he gets out of prison for this experiment, assuming it's like seven or eight in the morning and has to be at school by nine, he doesn't get <laughs> like a buffer period of a day. It's just like, here's Lowe's, get the fuck out, go to school or you're coming right back. That was just kind of kind of fucked up. Um, <laughs> I thought yeah, the same thing. On their way to school, he happens to drive through a neighborhood, you know, owned by the Razorheads. And, uh, his brother Angel's freaking out, like we can't go here, we can't go here, and it's fucking just a war, a literal war breaks out. They they literally like show up to the same class, um, you know, like, almost like nothing happened. So you have Hector rolling his fucking vehicle in in the fucking battle, and he comes up with just a cut on his head after flipping in the back of the truck. He was not in the cab. Anyway, uh, and I like when they get to school, they have to turn in all their guns and shit and like, oh, man, they're like, you know, bummed out, flipping off the guards. Um, Before I forget, did you guys notice when they first pulled into the school, how that weird little fucking pod car motorcycle weird things like pulls up next to them? Yeah. Yeah. Looked like something straight off of like Star Wars. It was weird. Um, there's not a lot of not a lot of else of that in the movie. All the other cars are just like old '70s and '80s cars with ground effects put on them, and you know. Well, crazy. after Stacy's mullet, they didn't have much to, uh, to dish out. We, we can't put a cage around the whole school bus, just the front. So they get to class, and um, Angel gets pissed off at Cody because he kind of says he can't, you know, gang or ganging can't do any more ganging. And, you know, the uh, I forgot his name. Uh, Kurt. Kurt is another Blackheart member that says, well, if you're not with us, you're against us. But Cody's determined he's going to go to class and do what he's told. So, but yeah, right when he gets out of prison, I remember I forgot that the kid Angel was the boy from Near Dark. And I got super yeah. excited. And I'm pretty sure 90% of the people that watch this for the first time get pretty pumped there, too. Uh, he I- no, I was gonna point out that the uh, the fictional, uh, you know, fascist police brutality uh, in the uh, in the movie pretty much kind of pales in comparison to the actual fascist police brutality we see on a daily basis yep. in the news now. So yeah, so, I don't know. For some odd reason, I thought that was funny. I, I mean, I guess it's actually just sad. It but, is. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they could make a movie about classic twenty twenty. Yeah, like a freaking, you know, a pandemic and the police brutality. Yeah. Yep. Uh, yeah, like cyborg killing teachers is nothing. Nothing. <laughs> yeah, but um, ah, I forgot what I was about to say. You, you, you had you brought up a funny point. Um. Oh yeah, those guards though, they looked really fucking cool. Those masks and helmets they had, the just all yeah. face looked pretty pretty awesome to me 
Yeah. Um, yeah. And then I, I did have a note saying, you know, the first time you hear Cody talk, you are just like, this dude is literally Edward Furlong and Corey Feldman blended into one person. <laughs> I, yeah. I thought also a little Christian, like a young Christian Slater also. Yeah. I could see that, but it might, he like looked like his demeanor was Edward Furlong, but his fucking voice was Corey Feldman. Yeah, it was he was ripping off people like I don't know. I'd like to watch an interview. Maybe it was his, you know, since it's his first lead role, maybe he was nervous and just ripping off what he knew, you know. But uh, yeah, the film literally wastes no time jumping into action. Um, just wrecking a fucking neighborhood right from the get go. Uh, that chase scene had me so hooked. Um, gives you a nice glimpse into their you know, world of the movie that they're trying to build right away. Uh, heavy nods to Mad Max, obviously, a lot of the vehicles like we were talking about earlier. Um, the idea that these drugged up gangster punk rock kids, you know, wielding automatic weapons, basically even have the desire to go to school at all is fucking hilarious. But, you know, turn in your weapons and, and go to class. <clears throat> so anyway, speaking of class, we jump into right into chemistry class. So Miss Connors, you know, attempts the or attempts to calmly talk down Hector and another Razorhead, and the two Razorheads basically confront her and tell her to fuck off in multiple ways. And uh, so basically, we get like a Terminator, uh, you know, view from the cyborg, and it's going through their menu of discipline tactics, which I thought was pretty funny. And they're scrolling through, you know, and she tries verbal, you know, you know, verbal commands. Obviously, these kids don't give a fuck what she says. They keep on and keep on. So she resorts straight to violence, and pushes one down real hard and then shoves her fucking heel in another one's foot. Really nasty and painful. So he's already wrecked his truck. Now he's got his foot destroyed, having a really rough morning. And we get like a glimpse of how stoked dr forest from megatech is right then you get a feel like okay this guy is up to something nefarious here but uh so they're in the basement um basically disguised as a ded control center um i found it funny though they they put on like lab coats to go down there then you notice how weird that was and all they're doing is watching screen literally doing no need for a fucking lab coat Anyway, um, I heard that was a nod to a straight nod to Westworld, the old Westworld. Okay, well, there you go. I didn't understand why the fuck they did it, but that makes a little more sense, I guess. Um, so then we cut to Mr. Harden's history class, and it, it's interrupted in a fight between Kurt and Razorhead member Flavio. Um, we see a lot of both of them. Too. So they start kind of pushing and slapping and punching each other, and... <clears throat> Horden or Harden resorts directly to fucking corporal punishment and puts the class uh, in line. So he literally fucking spanks their asses while just like a boss holding the other one down with his foot. So he's treating these people like four-year-old children. And it's fucking hilarious because you get to see the view of like the opposite gang watching as the other one's getting beat. And they're like smiling, like, you know, pumped up. And then it cuts to their same faces when their friend is getting beat and they're like all mad, you know. I thought that was really funny. Um, (laughs) Did you notice like the punch sounds when he was slapping their ass? 
Yeah. Spanx. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was fucking hilarious because it's such a funny, silly scene, but the look on Harden's face was terrifying to me. Yeah. <laughs> He was just like dead fucking serious, like staring down the class, like you're next, you motherfuckers. Uh, so yeah. Uh, and then soon after that, we uh, get Cody <clears throat> returning home. So yeah, we didn't mention there is a new drug called Edge that both of his brothers are super fucking into that they kind of do on the way to school. And Clay mentioned the guards, like you know, pulling. Cody away and that's because they were searching the car and found the edge but anyway um he Cody goes home to find out that both his brother and his mother are addicted to it so he's all pissed off and goes on a dramatic motorcycle ride returning home very late <clears throat> but uh yeah I mean what did you guys think of the the first um encounters with the cyborgs like so yeah, the the uh, the spanking scene was hilarious. Uh, it was like totally bizarre too. Like the movie seems to like kind of want to take itself seriously, and then there's this scene you just nobody in their right mind could take seriously. They're just guys like acting like their entire body is being obliterated while they're being <laughs> bent over knee and spanked. <laughs> it probably hurt. It's a big fucking solid piece of steel hitting you, I guess, but. Fair enough. Uh, <laughs> Sounded like a punch. <laughs> uh, otherwise, uh, Pam Greer's a hottie. That's all I got. That's, that's, that's literally most of the, most of my notes are just like, God damn, Pam Greer looks real good. <laughs> to this point, that is all that matters. <clears throat> <laughs> oh, also, um, Edge, man, best new high since skin. I wrote that quote down because I thought the name of both the drugs were absolutely hilarious not knowing that Edge was going to play kind of a prominent role in the, uh, at least the first, like, 20 or 30 minutes of the movie. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we so. never got a glimpse into skin. I was pretty curious, but we never really got yeah. a... I wonder what it does. Yeah. I'm curious, because they call it skin. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you just rub it into your skin like a lotion. Yeah, it's just Vicks Vapor Rub. You know, the year 1999, that shit took a turn. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, but yeah. yeah. Uh, so basically, up to this point, I put um, life pretty much sucks in a free fire zone, or you know, free fire zone. Cody's Cody's life. You basically can't walk the straight line like Cody tries to do. It just this world will not let you, or their their world that they live in. Um. So the next day, we got uh, Razorhead Flavio trying to woo uh, Christy, who is Principal Langford's daughter. Uh, and obviously, she's resisting his advances. She's probably the most straight-laced student in the whole school. Um, kind of bizarre that she would even transfer there, knowing what a shithole it is. But anyway, uh, he, he attempts to basically rape her. And Cody happens to witness it. And he fights off Flavio in a pretty fun fight. I mean, you know, decently choreographed compared to what I was expecting it to be. Uh, he fights off Hector and a few of the razor heads. And then this is where we get our uh, first introduction to Mr. Bryles, who he happens to see them fighting and he puts Cody in like a full Nelson and drags him straight to the principal's office. Uh, Ferdinand informs Cody that he's technically violating his parole with the fight, you know, and which obviously he, he can't even have one incident. 
but he lets him off since he was, in fact, saving his daughter from being raped. Uh, so Cody and Bryles head to PE class, and basically Bryles is just a fucking meathead robot, and uh, he humiliates Blackheart member Mohawk, who doesn't really actually have a Mohawk, I kind of notated here. It's just big, like, single spike thing going on. I don't know. Uh, so he's doing push-ups, and he's humiliating him, and the class is over. Bryles tells Cody to stay behind, and you got Mohawk kind of watching as he goes, seeing that Cody's being asked to stay. And he just beats, basically viciously beats the shit out of him. And Mohawk goes to his locker and takes some edge. Keep talking about edge. He won't go ahead. He goes ahead and grabs his gun. So Cody cuts back to Cody. He's still getting beaten. He's seriously hurt uh, when Bryles sees Mohawk uh, with the gun. Bryles grabs the gun and breaks Mohawk's neck, killing him instantly. And uh, Megatech technicians Marv and Spence are freaked, freaked out. And uh, Forrest informs them that it was self-defense with a gun. So now we get, you know, a good glimpse that Megatech is covering for these guys. And we know they're up to no good. And Forrest is a piece of shit. Um, so I, I thought that scene was pretty pretty funny, like overly dramatic, honestly. Yeah, I thought it was like pretty violent. Like when he was like hitting him in his chest over and over, like he was covered in blood. Cody was covered in blood. I was like, is it That's yeah, bleeding cool. internally? I'm pretty sure he'd be dead <laughs> that much. But- right. He shows up the next like the next class and he just has like one little scratch on his cheek or something. <laughs> so so next Sonny shows up uh late to Mr. Harden's class, really fucked up on edge. That besides that little glimpse with Mohawk, this is where you truly see how fucking crazy it makes people. He's kind of stumbling around the class and Harden's like, oh fuck this and you know he's not taking it. So he just straight up drags him to his locker and he he just like points his fingers and like shoves his hand like a knife through his locker and uh, finds some vials of edge in the locker. And he fucking forces them in Sonny's mouth, like just pummeling his head into the locker. So obviously this kills Sonny and hard returns to the class, but he takes uh, the bloody like crucifix that he wore around his neck and puts it in his pocket. He took that cross on like, just he improvised it and they liked it. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Um, yeah, so it cuts to Langford confronting the three teachers about Sonny's death. And obviously, it becomes a cover-up. They died of a drug overdose. They convince Langford. Well, I don't know if they convince him, but he, you know, he kind of goes with it. And uh, By the way, uh, Dr. Langford to you, get it right? <laughs> yeah. I just, I can't call him that. I don't understand. Um, but... Uh, Christy tries to convince Cody based on her father's word, Dr. Langford, that uh, about Sonny and Cody's pissed off and he's just fully convinced that Harden did it on purpose. So he apologizes to her the next day and tries to convince her that Harden did have something to do with Sonny's death. And so she, you know, buys into the fact that it might have happened and they skip school for evidence. Um so they basically, there's a scene where Cody kind of sl- slips out after he 
angrily leaves Langford's office and he kind of puts something in his pocket and he realized that it was the teacher directory, like their addresses and shit. And then he's reading as they're driving uh, across, you know, on a motorcycle that Harden, Bryles, and Connors actually all live in the same apartment. So that's kind of weird. And they realize something's going on. They break in and Cody finds the bloody cross, but, but there are a few other funny things to joke about. Um, Cody is in Miss Connor's room and he finds it like, or no, the Christine finds it so weird that she only has one bra and, and he's just like, she's a fucking chemistry teacher or something weird like that. Like that makes any sense. Oh, chemistry teachers only need one bra. Yeah, also, there's no beds or furniture in the house. So, I mean, like, uh, but but the fact that she only had a bra and no panties, that was like the, oh, weird. Yeah, but. Um, also, their, their food pantry stacked with the WD-40 uh, product placements. So. <laughs> that was good. And they had some kind of like, you know, not propane, but some kind of like coolant. Yeah, I, I forgot what Cody says. He says something really stupid about that. I think they could have had a better one-liner there. I don't remember what it was, but it wasn't as good as it should have been. But anyway, right, right, you know, as they're wanting to leave, the the trio of teachers arrive and see them escaping. So this really bad chase happens. Like, honestly, compared to the beginning of the movie, this one was really dumb. It's probably my least favorite part of the whole movie. But anyway, it's supposed to be comic relief, I guess, but the cyborgs all end up wrecking in off of a off of a bridge into some water and so basically you see that they're pretty indestructible and they just walk right out of it with some terrible 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 one-liners so bad i didn't even put them on here um but anyway uh they did they do get the idea to start a war between the razor heads and the black hearts so um basically I put after this segment of the the notes here, I put that um, not only are cyborgs good at killing, but they're also smart and capable of covering it all up. So after the chase at the beginning of the film, like I said, this chase is fucking terrible. Um, but anyway, I do kind of think this is where the movie really starts to get awesome. Like everything else was just set up to this point. Um, so. Let's take a quick break real quick before we dive into the real action of the movie. All right, we are back. Thanks again for joining us. Um, we're going to dive back in where we left off here. Um, so that same evening when the uh, after the cyborgs fall into the water and, and decide to start a war, uh, Cody and Angel have one of their few bonding moments over a game of basketball and then that's when angel who has recently become a black heart uh decides to stay behind and then time like connor's um on the way home later that night uh we'll dive more into the scene here in a minute but the trio chased chases down angel bryles lifts him up and or lifts up angel and fucking throws him like a rag doll doesn't like a lawn dart, man. Yeah. yeah, yeah, pretty much like a fucking wet sock or something. Somebody's like uh, thirty feet. They basically gang up on him and just brutally kill him. Uh, well, almost. He's 
I, I can't remember if he's dead when they huddle around him. You know, he's got the cuts all over him. I don't know. Anyway, um, shortly after, you see Razorhead Noser coming out of a local pizza joint. Um, he sees Connors, and that's when she kidnaps him, and the Razorheads are waiting for Noser. So Nosers is sent through the window of their hangout just fucking on fire. Uh, Wait, so, so the saddest part, that's the saddest part of the movie, though, because yeah. when they pull him into the car, he drops two full pizzas. I know. Mm. No one thinks about the pizza. Rest in peace. Rest in <laughs> pizza. Pieces. <laughs> I don't know why, but I did not notice that. Uh, that's that's worse than uh, Angel getting beat down. Yeah. He asked for it. <laughs> yeah, but let's be real though. It was probably pretty terrible pizza uh, after the wig money. <laughs> Maybe I don't know. Oh, and to add to that angel scene, they did cut out a. Uh, well, no, go ahead. I can. I'll. I'll tell you when you get to. Oh yeah, yeah. I think the next scene is what you're talking about. But uh, so Hector yeah. is convinced that Black Hearts did not, or that that Black Hearts did it, and they decide to start a war. So the next morning, Cody goes to the Blackheart gang where he finds Angel dead. Okay, so he was dead. I, I thought he was dying in that scene for some reason. So he's <laughs> surrounded by Kurt, Reedy, and Don. So Don finds Angel's basketball with a message written in blood. Sadly, <laughs> I did not write what that said. Uh, uh, well, it's I think, pretty sure it says, and this for some odd reason, I, I, I put this down in my notes because it stood out to me, but it's like, the war zone, high noon. I'm like, wait, did it say high noon? Like, <laughs> did like teens in the nineties say high noon? Like, I guess. Like, it's a very like eighteen hundreds thing to say. I don't know. It was weird to me. Uh yeah, so Don uh or Cody is obviously super pissed off, decides he wants back in the gang. So that's critical turning point. But uh Eric, what were you gonna add? Yeah, so in that scene they cut out a scene that was too gory because, you know, back then they would make it like rated X, you know, if it was too bad. Yeah. yeah. So they're trying to keep it under that, but it was on his chest. You can still see it on Angel's chest. So when you see he was alive when all three of them kind of crowded over him. Oh, really? Okay. So I did, I did. What they did was um, carved, carved into his chest. Like a, oh, I forgot what it said. It said I think it might have said razor head, you know, razor heads or something. But it was like, I saw a picture of it and it looks disgusting. Like his whole chest is like he they wrote into it like a, uh, you know, yeah. But they changed it. They left the prosthetic on him, but they they the, I think the basketball or whatever kind of took that spot. Yeah, that's unfortunate because I mean. I don't think it was it, awesome. Yeah, yeah, it probably just looked too good on the effects because yeah. I don't think it would have been that out of place. Maybe it's just because he's one of the younger people in the movie, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, that's interesting. I didn't. I don't think I saw any of that. Uh, so yeah, I, I basically started putting down in my notes that shit's getting pretty real now. The cyborgs are full on fucking evil. Uh, they're kind of everyone's losing control over the experiment. Um, so they kind of decided to pit the gangs against each other and just hope that they would destroy each other and make their job easier. Pretty brilliant plan, to be honest, because they're all pretty stupid, the gangsters. Um, so, yeah, they did not go easy on Little Angel. 
so at this point on, it's pretty much balls to the wall. So uh, let's let's jump into the next part. Uh, yeah. And anyone can interrupt me if they want to add anything. I'm I'm, I'm kind of breezing through here. I don't want to make another two hour episode. Um, so that afternoon, uh, a war basically ensues between the Razorheads and the Blackhearts. Um, however, Bryles, Harden, and Connors intercept at various times. They're kind of just, you know, sneaking through, uh, somehow mostly undetected, and they're just kind of sniping members from both gangs as they go. Um, so Cody and Reedy go inside an abandoned building to trap Hector, and Harden fucking bursts his arms through a wall and just straight up splits him in half with his bare hands. Awesome. Pulls yeah. through the wall. And I was like, oh, God. Like, Because really, there wasn't a lot of violence, and I started fearing that this movie wasn't as action-packed and violent as I remembered it being, because I hadn't watched it in a very long time. And then I was like, okay. And I started remembering it gets pretty crazy in the last act. Uh, so basically, Cody shoots Harden with, with his gun, and that's when he instantly realizes okay they are not in fact human so that night he tries to tell the black hearts that harden was there and that he killed reedy and uh i don't think they fully believe him i don't think most people believe him to this point even though they should but uh langford at this point langford has also gotten wind of the situation and decides to have the program terminated however dr forrest not only decides to not terminate the program but he basically tells Langford that the teachers must kill the enemy. So obviously Langford's like the mad scientist of the movie. Um, just totally doesn't give a fuck anymore. Doesn't even try to hide it. And Bryles grabs Langford by the throat with brute force and just fucking squeezes his fingers into the throat. And it's disgusting. It That's really pretty, pretty gnarly. He just kills him like instantly and throws him down. But it was like, uh, I don't, all the holes were like left in his neck and it just looked really nasty. Uh, what's that, that fear people have of holes? You know what I'm talking uh, about? Holy yeah. fear? Trypophobia. Ah. Trypophobia. That's kind of what it made me think of. Uh, but yeah, that whole battle is like probably one of the funnest parts of the movie. Uh, it did take five days to film that scene. Because it kept, it's fucking Seattle, so it kept raining off and on, and there was all a lot of mud, and uh, but there was a lot of awesome action and kills going on, uh, dude. That that effect of that kid getting broken in half is probably one of the craziest parts of the movie. Um, yeah, so um, it's the same effects that did the blob, and they actually pulled that same effect off in the blob, so they knew how to do it super yeah. easily. I, I read. Yeah, the blobs. Fucking awesome. <laughs> so, yeah, what did you guys think of that, that whole, like, battle? Uh, I thought it was pretty good. Had some good Uzis. <laughs> yeah, dude, I noticed that. Well, Uzis and I love the, um... <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Explode... Like, all the explosions and, like, the guys, you know, flipping into the water. I was like, that's some commando shit. It's probably yeah. the same equipment. Yeah, this was straight up yeah. commando battle. Yeah, I agree. Um, what the? Okay, so yeah, I, I like the next scene a lot too. 
Um, so Hector receives a call that's basically Cody saying he wants to meet him one-on-one at the school entrance. Oh, and, uh, shout out right here to uh, a cameo from Nine Inch Nails. Yep, yep. There is a scene, uh, the Razorheads, I believe, are rocking some head like a hole. Um, I got some trivia about that later, but yeah, this is the scene. Good job pointing that out. Um, so Connors kidnaps Christy and she pretends to be Hector and calls Cody with the same proposition. So she uses uh, Hector's voice to call Cody. So basically she's pit- pitting them against each other. And when Don wonders why Hector would want to meet at the school, the Blackhearts are finally convinced that the teachers are in fact the ones plotting all this, uh, this meeting here. So when Hector and Cody do show up and all the gangs basically, you know, uh, Cody attempts to tell Hector that it was not him that he wants to kill. Uh, he tells Hector that it's the cyborgs and that the teachers are out to kill them all. And uh, to prove he's right, he shows him uh, Sonny's bloody cross. So he finally convinces them to team up and take on the teachers who are waiting in the school, but they are thinking that they're going to kill each other and not join up and come get them. So, you know, I, I still feel like the cyborgs felt pretty fucking ready, but, you know, whatever. That wasn't the plan. Uh, I thought it was pretty clever, though, like, because why else would the gangs get together, you know? So that was a good uh, screenwriting plot to get them together is have the cyborgs fake each other. Um, like, I think Patrick mentioned the Warriors earlier in the dystopian discussion. I got big Warriors vibes in this meeting, like the way they all kind of come out of the shadows and have each other's backs and like kind want to attack each other, but kind of want to, you know, have a truce. It just really felt like the Warriors to me. Um, But then the scene when they ride up, up the burning stairs into the school was like just the perfect setup for a grand finale. I thought it was super awesome. The effects and shit were just so good. You can tell it was real school and not just some set they built, you know. Um, so basically, not only are they looking for the teachers, but they know Christy is uh, abducted. So they bust in the school, riding motorcycles, cracking jokes. Um, they didn't really seem like they knew the stakes, I guess, because we haven't seen the full capabilities of the cyborgs yet. There's also a pretty, oh, sorry, I didn't mean to, uh, there's a pretty touching moment where Hector and Cody uh, both admit that they thought the other one was pretty cool when they first met each other. Yeah, in middle school, yeah. (laughs) So in a a few years, they've somehow split into two gangs, yeah. That was like maybe four years beforehand. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that is a good scene. Um, So basically, they quickly find out that... uh, there's more to these cyborgs than they realized when they come to start a fucking war with them. And Connor shows up. She's the first one they encounter. And her fucking arm just melts off. Like the skin just fucking melts. I don't know how else to describe it. And it feels a, a flamethrower uh, instead of an arm. Or that is her arm. And uh, then we get Bryles as well, who his melts off and reveals a fucking missile launcher. And so basically we have craziness, people running, fucking, you know, attacking each other. Uh, 
quite a few of the razor heads and black hearts fall victim to the, the teachers. Uh, Kurt and Cody end up finding Christy and that's also where they encounter Harden. So Harden, his weapon's a little weirder. So they, first of all, they're just shooting him and he's just smiling and doing his usual, like I'm a badass, whatever. Uh, but he, it doesn't hurt him, obviously. So he he keeps walking and, and grabs uh, Cody with one hand and basically grabs Kurt with the other hand. But it's become a weird fucking. It almost looks like a the hand in a what do they call those those Dude, arms? Little make, yeah, it's like one of the the the, the claw games. It's a claw yes, drill. claw it's game. Claw yes, it looks just like the claw from a you know. Thing, thing you try to grab a stuffed animal out of and uh but it has a drill in the middle like he said so it's pretty pretty cool i guess but not near as practical as the other two i thought he kind of got the shit end of the stick on that one um so he kills kurt with the drill and he's about to do the same to cody and cody somehow is able to grab his machine gun and he starts shooting him through the mouth and it ends up killing him i thought it was shitty that harden was the first to die but whatever um basically at this point it's just off the rails shit is wild um i'm in my mind i'm like how does it get crazier than this this is surely the grand finale you know missile launchers flamethrowers drills punks riding bikes through a burning school and then uh when harden does get his dome wrecked uh they they i did read that they put glitter uh, kind of in the effect so when it's sparking there's also glitter making it look like a just a really cool effect basically it's a really neat idea i don't i would never think to do that and then some of the, yeah. the cool some of the flesh melting effects were pretty neat too um when mm. they expose their weapons but but anyway the best part has yet to come in my opinion um, yeah that head explosion was awesome to me like i was like Yo, I was like, I saw it and I was like, this is awesome. Like, this yeah. whole fight scene is insane. Yeah, I love, like, I don't know. Like, I, I didn't dislike any of the movie, but most reviews, if you, I've watched a couple, they're like, the second half of this movie is a whole different movie than the first half, you know? Just a lot of setup and it finally gets to what you want or what you want the whole movie. But in my opinion, it, surpasses everything i wanted you know um yeah but yeah the real finale is basically just beginning so cody and christy end up coming across miss connor's and they're chased into her her chemistry lab uh so cody notices she has the uh, exposed area of flammable gas and uh he distracts her and grabs an axe so he throws the axe to the exposed area and she kind of like I mean, your basic fucking video game thing from, like, The Last of Us. Throw a fucking bottle and watch them go after it. So, <laughs> and Christy run out of the lab, and Connors unleashes her flamethrower, fucking blowing up the entire room when it hits the gas. So, I believe, is that... I am blanking out here. That's when she dies, right? Yeah, yeah. She yeah. yeah. Oh, I out. I did leave out the cool scene when they they injure her previously and it like exposes her chest and her fucking weird bare robot breasts 
Uh, and, for Robo Nips, also. Uh, yeah, that's what I was saying. It's kind of, <laughs> kind of odd. But you see, like, the green, slimy blood pouring out. I thought that was really cool. For some I reason, I, it, yeah. I thought that was here, but I somehow left that out. Yeah, that was awesome. The way they did that, too, I was I, I read about it. And uh, so she wasn't, like, when they shot the flame, she was, like, they said Pam Greer was real nervous about that. Uh, fuck yeah. So she wasn't even, like... She was just standing behind it, like the bot, especially on that part you're talking just talked about. Mm-hmm. It's the whole bottom part of her body is fake. Huh. Wow, she's like standing behind it, That's... and then when the flamethrower, she's not not even she's like two feet behind the flamethrower. Hmm. But it was pretty. It was a really cool effect. A good good idea. Yeah, that explains. Yeah, that's the only way they could have did all that weird. Uh, slime and and robotic effects with her torso yeah but i didn't even man it just looked so good and in the heat of the moment i just no pun intended i didn't even think to look at that detail you know i just i just i just bought it as real um yeah i think they do have a prosthetic on her when she's walking around but yeah um let's see cody has a good line after that uh, scene where they blow her up. He's like, I guess I blew that class. <laughs> yeah, I was okay. so he, has, he has a shitty one-liner for every single, uh, every teacher that goes, and uh, the last <laughs> one's the best. I was I was really hoping you guys wrote a lot of the one-liners because I didn't, but I did my notes like well after I had watched the movie. And I yeah. I, so I, so uh, Harden's, uh, Harden's one-liner was uh, your history. Professor Harden or Mr. Harden, your history. <laughs> history teacher. Easy, easy one. I mean, like, after watching Commando, I, I wasn't bothered by any of these. It's pretty much exactly what I would expect. I I did <laughs> laugh more, at how stupid they were. I, I got joy out of them. They're uh they're a lot they're used a lot more sparingly than uh, they are in Commando. You're almost dead to the uh, one-liners by the end of Commando, whereas this one only really has like five or six. Like I think it just it gives you enough to not quite take itself seriously, even though the action and stuff feels much more serious than Commando. Well, the, and to the, be fair, I think it's a all in the delivery too. I mean, you think about it in Commando, who's delivering these one-liners? Yeah, that's I don't could say the alphabet, and it's gonna be hilariously. Okay, I thought you meant like they were bad, and I was like, I'm not sure Arnold is much worse than Cody Culp. Well, they're they're not good. <laughs> they're not I mean, good, but I don't think I would put him very. I think they're pretty equal as far as acting chops, even with the language barrier he probably had. <laughs> it's kind of like Little Caesars Pizza. It's not good, but I'll yeah. eat it. Exactly. <laughs> I totally understood your description there. Um, <laughs> uh, okay, so next, uh, Hector is uh, now the only other survivor alongside Cody and Christy. And they basically, uh, they are seen by Bryles, who's roaming the hallways ominously. Uh, Hector <laughs> provides a distraction while Cody and Christy head for a bus that's conveniently waiting outside. Uh, so Cody hotwires it. That's what, uh, that's what Gangin will teach you. Uh, yeah. Drives super fast and is able to run down Bryles at the school entrance as uh, Cody and Christy leap out. Uh, 
the bus explodes everywhere and all they're all three safe but then they hear a noise in the school and they check it out and now mm -hmm. a half human half robot briles escapes from under the bus uh all right so here it becomes terminator pretty much from this point on it, <laughs> it's literally the same ending um i will point out they actually drove a bus through the actual school and them. yeah that's fucking crazy to think about but uh that school wasn't being used but i did read that they have recently opened it back up and remodeled it and i think in like 2010 or 11 so it is back uh, yeah it's it's completely back like yeah i just saw something about it too and it's still gonna get renovations up until next year i think that's cool but yeah, they got to fucking destroy it for a little while in the late 80s. Uh, so yeah, I put that it was... Uh, never mind, I already mentioned that. Uh, yeah, it's insane. But also, we got some awesome stop-motion effects with Bryles um, in the little Terminator tribute there. Uh, I actually don't know if it's stop-motion. It's a puppet. It's a full-size It will, like, yeah, puppet. Because there's like oh. five... You are right. I did remember reading about that after I wrote this. It it feels stop motion though, doesn't it? Like yeah, because it's. It, I mean, it's not it, the best. No, you're right. I didn't update my notes. I wrote that completely convinced that it was stop motion when I watched the movie. But yeah, I I think I did in the trivia. I read I read about how it took a lot of people to run it, and I just never updated my notes. So yes, thank I, yeah. you, thank you for that. It's pretty cool. I, I think it's pretty cool. It was scary to me. Because yeah. Of weird eyeballs. Yeah, you hate the eyeballs. <laughs> I think that actor is just scary looking anyway. And then when he starts moving around and like the sounds and stuff, it's yeah. I was super into it. I was like, hang on a second. <laughs> Yo, yeah. Awesome. Yeah, it's pretty, no, I got it. it's pretty great. Yeah. Well, it just they keep, they keep finding a way to one up the, the fucking stakes, you know? And uh, <laughs> you're just like, when is. Cody gonna get a fucking break. Uh, so right after that, Hector and Cody and Christy find Doctor Forrest, who also takes Christy hostage. Christy can't fucking buy a break. Uh, when Cody tells Forrest it's too late, Forrest is convinced that he can somehow continue the project. Um, not sure what he would do at this point, but uh, Hector basically pulls out a gun and attempts to shoot him when he's not looking, and he's shot and killed backfired and then that's when Forrest attempts to kill Cody but Bryles comes up from behind him and literally rips his heart out just fucking kills him instantly um I was kind of glad um Dr. Forrest you know might have looked fucking funny and weird but such a shithead <laughs> such a shithead the whole movie I I didn't even bring up his best scene it's the scene when Dr. Doc, Dr. Langford Clay Tries, uh, it's uh, Professor Langford. Yeah. Well, he tries to <laughs> confront. He confronts uh, Forrest about something, and he he just fucking pulls out a banana. Yeah, he just starts, starts eating it. Yeah. <laughs> I read that on my notes that like it's the least intimidating thing a villain's ever done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but he like looks at him and just like, yeah, sure, okay, just kind of like sheepishly agrees to whatever he said, knowing he's bullshit. But, yeah. I, I I'm glad we remembered to bring that up. Yeah, he just weird. had some low. He had low potassium. Yeah, 
He's an albino. He's an albino, man. I'm sure that's probably something he thought they did. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's what he. That's what was his idea. He's like, I want to be albino. But albinos but, have like, like red eyes or pink eyes. Right. They don't have white eyes. He didn't look like an albino. Yeah, he just looked like a weird, like, man. I don't know. So yeah, I legit thought he was just gonna turn out to be a fucking robot, man. But like everybody's yeah. acting like, oh yeah, cool. Here's just another silver-eyed, uh, white-haired dude. Like uh, you see those all the time in the year 1999. No, I, 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 I'm pretty sure they wrote that to to trick people, but apparently, yeah, he clearly was not a robot. I was kind of thinking at one point he would be, but um, so Terminator. after Forrest gets killed, Cody and Christy are obviously overpowered by Bryles at first until Cody gets his hands on a forklift and uh, he impales Bryles like from behind when Bryles is trying to get Christy. And then after he gets impaled, he puts his attention on Cody and Christy grabs a big chain and put, well, now, now wait a second. Are they in like some tech ed class or something at this point? Where are they? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, okay. Top class. Yeah. That's kind of what I figured. Okay. Cause I was like, why are all these weird you know, chains and forklifts everywhere. But uh, she puts it around Bryle's neck and, like, essentially hangs him. And uh, Cody – well, no, she puts it around and Cody lifts the chain with the forklift, uh, decapitating him. And uh, Cody and Christy, the only survivors, walk out badly damaged uh, or in the badly damaged school completely. <laughs> Excuse me. You left out the one-liner. No, I saved it for you. You wrote them all down. Oh, okay, okay. He goes, have a nice stretch, coach. <laughs> oh, yeah. Essentially, dictates and stretches his neck completely off of its spine. So, yeah, very fitting. Yeah, very. that was a cool scene, too. Yeah, I mean. They, like, stretched it. They stretched it pretty slowly, and it, they actually had a, you know, prop that pulled apart and it yeah. looked really cool. And here's here's what I like with decapitations in movies. Um, <laughs> primarily, on my, what I look for is sound while it's happening, and the pitch of the voice or something changes. I.e., uh, Day of the Dead. Yeah, know? yeah. I mean, it's, it adds to it. Not only you know, I mean, I'm sure that really happens, right? I don't know. My head's never been pulled off, uh, nor have <laughs> I seen another man's head be pulled off. <laughs> yeah, uh, if know. you know. Uh, Comment. Let us know. Does that really happen? If you've pulled someone else's off, or better yet, if yeah. you if you filmed it, send it to our Instagram inbox, and we'll we'll check it out. And we will report you. But uh... yeah. <laughs> so anyway, I I put that's how you do a, a fucking finale. Uh, I did put also the hanging of Bryles at the end was a nod to the uh, class of 1984s death of their main villain at the end who was also hanged yeah. uh spoiler but you know you should go watch it if you have not seen it if you liked this at all you'll probably enjoy that uh so before i get into y'all's final thoughts i'll just throw a few pieces of trivia your way malcolm mcdowell was only on set for two days hmm. i pretty <laughs> much could tell <laughs> uh yeah i i never really read why i didn't you know didn't care enough to know but um 
I'm sure he was busy. That's what I would assume it boils down to. Or they couldn't fucking afford it. Some yeah, last guy named Rob Zombie had emailed him. He was like, hang on. <laughs> hang on. Guys, I gotta go. Well, at this point, I think Rob Zombie was working on Pee Wee's Playhouse. So. <laughs> I think so, probably. Maybe. Um, I think they only got Malcolm McDowell, too, because, uh, you know, the director just, like, he loved, he was a fan. Yeah. He, like, he got him to work on a film with him, so. Oh, you are. Days. Yes. Um, Lester, I think his favorite film um, is A Clockwork Orange, so I bet you that is probably true. Um, Malcolm McDowell was actually originally considered for the role of Dr. Bob Forrest. I, I'm I'm glad it worked out. We got the weird ass albino instead. I mean, think about it. I mean, Malcolm McDowell kind of looks albino if he would have had the white um, lenses or the pupils, whatever. Yeah, that's the word. Uh, Malcolm McDowell was actually born with white hair. If you didn't know that, <clears throat> um, <laughs> I've never seen him. He's like Steve Martin. I've never seen him with not white hair. Besides in Clockwork Orange. Yes. Okay. You're right. Did you Did you notice the nods to Clockwork Orange throughout the movie? A little bit. Like, uh, what was the uh, the leader of the um, other gang? The Razorheads. Yeah, the Razorheads. Hector. Uh, he had the like the um, eye thing on it in one of the class scenes, like his, you know. Oh yeah, the fake lashes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think one of the posters also kind of gives me a Clockwork Orange vibe. I, I guess it kind of would make sense if that's what they were going for. Was there another one besides the the eye thing? Um, also, um, it is the debut film of Rose McGowan. She is a, a student in the background of a few scenes in Miss Connor and Mr. Harden's classes. Um hmm. There's little screen caps you can see if you Google it. Um, they don't really focus on her, but it's definitely her. Um, so it was made in 1988, but a few uh, distributing disputes and, and sales and acquisitions caused it to be delayed for two years. Um, so John P. Ryan, Pam Greer, and Patrick Kilpatrick's the three or Kilpatrick, the three cyborgs. All wore wetsuits underneath their clothes for that chase scene where they ended in the water, the crash. Uh, the water was so freezing cold that it required not only the wetsuits, but also hot tubs just off camera were kept uh, close by so they could jump in and keep warm between takes. Hot right. tub with Pam Greer? That seems convenient. Fuck yeah. <laughs> yep. Um, uh, the Razorhead's compound, which we see early in the film um, as Cody, Angel, and Sonny are driving to school, uh, was actually shot in an old rundown neighborhood, which the production yeah. uh, crew did whatever they wanted in terms of production design, which actually included a crashed fuselage of an airplane, which is seen during the chase sequence. That was already there <laughs> in the neighborhood. Nice. Fucking wild. It was like perfect. Like meant to yeah, it's an um. So yeah, I read about that. It's it was a neighborhood that was too close to a um, airport, so the city like you know paid the people to move out of it. So it was completely abandoned. But I was like, dude, that's awesome that they just found that and an abandoned school. We'll take it. Yeah, that I mean they they literally 
I mean, I'm not sure how much better they could have utilized it either. They were like cutting through fucking backyards. I mean, like think about watching that scene and thinking that it was not an actual abandoned neighborhood. Like there's no other way. Like they're literally ruining people's yards, you know, like it's crazy. Um, So it does make perfect sense. Uh, Here's a doozy of trivia. Absolutely no CGI used in the film and all effects were done under the set of, or uh, under the supervision of Eric Allard, who impressed Mark L. Lester with his work on the uh, 1986 film Short Circuit. So that means, I'm not going to lie, those Johnny Five effects are pretty amazing to this day. Yeah, no, it's like a full-on robot. That's insane. Yeah. Uh, And like Eric said, also the blob. I mean, don't sleep on those effects. Yeah. Um, This trivia is for Clay. He mentioned it earlier. Mark uh, Lester went out to some of the clubs in Seattle in search of local music to include in the movie. Came across a then-unknown band at a grunge bar and cut a deal to buy the rights to all the songs they played that evening for $100 each. That band was Nine Inch Nails. Their hit song, (laughs) Head Like a Hole, did make the final cut of the movie. Hundred fucking dollars. It's a steal. That is that is fucking crazy. They're like one of the biggest bands of all time. Yeah. Um, They sold that to them, I think. Yeah. That's just wild. I mean, hundred dollars. Like literally, like a few years later, they blew up. Like massive. Yeah. Massive. So specifically that song, I think was like was their first hit. Yeah. So that's just literal. Like I mean, that's like um, what's the word? Like uh, fate. Talent scouting by a fucking movie director. Like you know, he he recognized them before record labels did. You know what you know what I'm trying to say? Like uh, yeah, yeah, fucking Nostradamus, um, level shit right there. But anyway, um, I would say Nine Inch Nails owe Mark Lester everything in their career. Um, <laughs> that mm-hmm. album came out in 89, so I guess, yeah, right? Yeah, this was the came out before. Right, he, right, he yep. A fucking, a leaked out fucking, I almost said CDR, but it would have been a fucking bootleg tape version of the song. But anyway, what are your final thoughts on the movie? Uh, I'll start with Clay. Uh, yeah, I really liked it. I think actually you and I were talking uh, yesterday or today, and I was like, oh, I watched it, and it didn't really stand out. It was pretty unremarkable, but this time I watched it, and I actually had a blast watching it. It was really fun. I guess maybe just at the time I watched it, I was probably just more into things that I guess were maybe a bit more serious or something. I, I couldn't tell you, but either way... Uh, yeah, movie's a blast. Um, the fact that all the effects are practical like, is pretty awesome. Uh, all of the, the post-apocalyptic cars, all of the, uh, the robot carnage, all of that. Yeah, I, uh, I, I would highly recommend it if you haven't watched it. And uh, maybe if you watch Dead End Drive-In or something uh, that we've already covered and you, you know, are wondering what else you can watch. That's, it's not quite as goofy, but it's still pretty goofy yeah in fun. uh yeah it was really good pretty comparable yeah. just a much bigger budget <clears throat> yeah absolutely. yeah It'd be a good double feature if you're into that yeah 
Eric. Yeah, dude. I love it. I had never seen this. And, uh, yeah, I loved it. Like, the, uh, the, um, the effects, like, towards the end, of course, I was so, I was so impressed because I, you know, you guys know me. I just love practical effects and anything, anything like that. It just makes it better and more fun or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah, like Clay said, all the the action was good. The um, just the whole look of the movie. Although the, you know they did have when they did go out of the fire zone or whatever, it's like a normal neighborhood. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, pretty that's funny. The point. That's the whole point. <clears throat> yeah, I didn't put that together when I like was first watching. I'm like, why is that neighborhood so normal? Because I was just thinking dystopian future all you know like the whole world but yeah i loved it i loved it good and the reason it didn't um come out like it came out two years later is because vestron video bankrupted Mm. right after dirty dancing they spent all their money because and then i was reading about that but yeah that's all i they i loved it they boondock saint directored themselves basically yeah, they had another big hit coming and fucking spent all their money. They spent it on multiple, like tons of different movies, and spent it all, and they all flopped. Man, we were very close to not having this movie. It sounds like. Yeah. Well, I'm glad. I, I was pretty sure you guys would like it. Um, I'm very glad you did. It's it's just proof that there's hidden gems you might have written off and misunderstood what it was, and you know, you just need a a podcast to show you so hopefully other people listening can get the same you know thing you got out of it uh patrick what about you um i liked it i hadn't seen it um i'm a big fan of the 1984 film but honestly like the cover of this when i saw it i would have definitely bypassed it it just doesn't well, uh, which, it didn't really stand out which, which cover there's like three or four one, some of them are bad <laughs> one i saw had like fire or flames and like a skull or something i don't know because i almost didn't even find it yeah. <laughs> i saw the cover and i was like oh this is it um i thought it was good yeah uh, the first half you know it's a little it's a little watered down but yeah i mean like the last 25 minutes is worth it I think the, I think the violence in it, you know, like the scene where he's in the gym getting punched, that was like jarring. Yeah, me. I was like, that's pretty wild. Um, car stunts, bike stunts, so that's already an A rating for me. <laughs> um, I love Stacey Keach, Pam Greer, and Malcolm. So that was that was a. A pleasant surprise because I wasn't watching uh, the credits enough, and when I saw them, I was like, "Damn!" Uh-huh. Um, we did miss a one-liner. Uh, it's when they're tricking the two gang leaders to go to the school, and one of them is asked, "Like, well, do you trust him?" And he said, "Yeah, like a vampire giving a blowjob." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that needed to be. I pointed out. Um, so yeah, so I I really enjoyed the movie. Plus, you add in Nine Inch Nails, I give it an A plus. Yeah, I mean that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Well, you made so. me. I mean, Escape to New York. I just for some reason started remembering a bunch of shit from this movie 
and I was just like, man, it's a perfect double feature. Like, you know, as far yeah. as the vibe goes, kind of funny, a few one-liners, you know, like obviously the setting is very similar. Free Fire Zone is pretty similar to the the prison and Escape from New York. But um, yeah, I'm glad you guys enjoyed it as well. But yeah, there's one cover yeah. that's really awesome uh, for this, and it's the one that gives me that clockwork orange vibe you'll just have to look them up you'll you'll see the different covers but yeah you're right there's very generic covers on some of the re-releases on dvd that i think that's what was on tubi if that's what you watched it on really bad photoshop yeah and a lot of companies do that there was a really bad uh release of the gate if you don't remember terrible cover nothing to do with the movie I just, I don't know why movies do that, like classic movies like this. But yeah, I mean, uh, Clay and Eric, I don't know if you've seen Class of 1984, but you might want to go watch it. Uh, definitely doesn't have the noteworthy cast that this one does, but you do get a very, uh, very, very young Michael J. Fox. There you go. Yeah. Oh, you've seen it? Oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah. About it. I'm sorry. Yeah. Eric, what about you? Have you seen it? I haven't seen it. I'm maybe, always maybe, to watch uh, maybe Clay it. will pick it for the next week. I'm just kidding. Speaking <laughs> of that, Clay, it is time. What are we watching next week? Uh, this is going to be a doozy. Uh, okay, so I was talking with Eric. I'm sorry. I, I do have to go on this uh, tangent here. Uh, me and Eric were talking. Uh, we had kind of, There was kind of a... a there was like a, a action movie icons uh, theme going right up until this movie. And I... I was like, oh, I know Troth is going to like pick another action movie. So like, I have another three episodes written, but I got super hyped on on doing this movie. So we're just gonna do it. It's uh, once again we're going back to uh, action icons with the 1998 film, uh, dubiously said to have been based on a true story. I can't. I'm almost cracking up already. Uh, we're watching the Jean Claude Van Damme movie Bloodsport. It's on Netflix. It's gonna All be right. off. I knew it was coming at some point. <laughs> yes. What's funny is um, in the some of my notes, the um, I did mention Van Damme like uh, Cyborg, the movie Cyborg. Yeah. That's yeah. a pretty cool yeah. set. <laughs> I kind oh, of... Yeah. yeah, that's another post-apocalyptic gem, yeah. It's I awesome. Could, but it's... <laughs> um, I've kind of been... Um thinking a lot about uh Dolph Lundgren for some reason um Dude, I, there's a movie so oh go ahead go ahead I was gonna say there's a Dolph Lundgren movie if I could find it like readily available make you dudes watch it it would have been something we'd already covered but I think it's called like here in the states it's called like Dark Angel or something oh, like that I come in peace we come in peace yeah yes. uh, yeah I come in peace uh, it's on YouTube dude oh shit I well, think I I was gonna say Hang on real quick, because that, that's what I was actually thinking of. I was going to bring that up because that's the movie I've been trying to find forever, and I finally found it recently. I just haven't watched it, and that's what made me thinking of Dolph Lundgren. And what is it? Is it Universal Soldier? Yeah. Is that, the one that's the one with yeah. Van Damme? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. That's another one I think we might cover at some point. Okay, sorry. that You made me think of all that stuff at one time. No, no, Go no. ahead. Uh, but, yeah, we're going to watch Bloodsport. Uh, I did not realize, like, before I picked it, like, how much of a thing I was stepping into because uh, there's a lot to get into with that movie before you even talk about the movie. So, 
I well, can't wait. You got your work cut out for you then. Okay. Yeah. I just remember it. Had, I haven't watched it in God knows how long. I know it's a pretty big favorite amongst our friend group. Mm-hmm. At least a lot of jokes about it and a lot of quoting. Um, I do remember uh, Ogre from Revenge of the Nerds is in it. Yep. Yeah. Uh, fairly serious role, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. It was, it's kind of weird to see him acting like a straight shooter, but, you know. I'm yeah, excited. He's, he's, I I need to watch it. It's, it's a cold plastic for a reason. So serious too. Yeah, dude, I'm excited. Yeah, I'm I'm glad you don't remember a lot. Yeah, I, it'll come think. to me. It'll come to me. But you know, it's kind of like I'm watching it all over again. It's it's been at least 15 years, I would guess, since I mean, probably it's, like our our early days it, of moving out. Wow. Yeah, been like been like a month. Yeah, I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't own it or anything. Yeah. I, I just, yeah, unless I was like living with friends that put it on, I, I haven't seeked it out, you know. So now I have to. <laughs> Time to Netflix. Yeah, yeah, I have a feeling. A lot of the movies I'm not forced to watch, but told to watch by you guys, I'm gonna like enjoy more than I ever did on my own, and probably go buy them. So this is gonna cost me a shitload of money. <laughs> I already like all the Arnold movies. I'm pretty much slowly picking up in the last few weeks. So <laughs> don't tell my wife. But the good thing about these movies, though, is you can get them anywhere <laughs> for like any price. Yeah. So it's pretty much that's a plus. Pretty much five bucks classic, and below. <laughs> you can probably get Commando, Bloodsport, and an Arnold, another Arnold movie, like in a three pack. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Walmart yeah. or something. Uh, <laughs> I, think I noticed every like three or four pack I come across, there's like two really good ones and then two shitty ones that I don't want. And that's that's but that's the keeps me from pulling well, the yeah. trigger. I'm like yeah. I don't want fucking twins or something. I don't know. Yeah, Bro, first off, don't good. put that shit on twins. It's a good yeah, movie. It's what? probably it's good, but good, I'm not gonna dude. put it on willingly. Like <laughs> I shut it. I shut it down the other night. Sarah was going to pick the movie, and she wanted to watch Twins. And I just I couldn't do it. Yeah, I wasn't oh, in the right headspace. Vincent, Vincent. <laughs> what about, um, I love the uh, summer of action we've had. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be a good palate cleanser to to kind of get through these and get through this shitty time that we're in in the world, building up to you know probably our favorite time of the year with Halloween and everything. It'll be good yeah. to kind of get a break from horror. Yeah. For I mean, bit. I just want to get back to it. I kind of, we early in the early days, we kind of talked about doing horror podcasts, but I'm glad we decided to broaden it a little bit. Yeah. I mean, look at yeah. what we would have uh, missed out on. These, um, I've been, honestly, this has been our bet, not to toot our own horns, but like as far as just fun conversations, that all the action ones seem to be the, the funnest to talk about. At least the best, in my opinion, like what I would hear. But hey, who knows? No one ever fucking comments on our shit. Yeah. Well, tell us what we're doing wrong. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Be constructive with your criticism. <laughs> I'll take any. I'll take we any comments. Casual. Tear us apart. Just do something. Do something, you crazy fucks. No, I'm just kidding. Oh boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> <We> just... <laughs> Shut this shit down. Trust getting cranky. 
Somebody you know what's funny? I actually have a pizza waiting for me, so I am cranky because I'm hungry. What? <laughs> we ready? Guess guess where I'm it's from. It's it's it the least pizza or it's the place you're least expecting, I bet. I no 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 it's from a place. You went you you decided to disrespect yourself and get Papa John's? No, no. Absolutely Alder. not. Fucking water crust. No, no, I haven't really had their pizza. I had the breakfast pizza once, but that doesn't count. Um, no, it's Schlotzky's. Their pizza is shockingly good, dude. Dude, they're and it yeah, is a little thick. It is. So I may have and to my words here. I think mm. if I'm not, <laughs> I've only ever had the child's pizza. Well, I, I can't remember. I just remember their crust is really tasty and good. Like that's why I usually don't like regular crust. There you go, Clay. I'm respecting. It ain't thick. Well, then maybe, okay, maybe I'm wrong, but uh, Kristen got one, and for some reason it was buy one, get one free, so I have a fucking pizza waiting for me. Well, that seems like the right thing to do. All right, well, I'm hungry, so I'm going to go eat. Bye. Bye.